0: Hello and welcome to the Evolve podcast, hosted by me, Simon Bocco, where I interview successful people who talk openly and honestly about the journey they've been on to become the person they are today, sharing stories, insights, tips and anecdotes along the way. It's a great opportunity to learn from entrepreneurs, business leaders, creatives and technologists who've all taken very different paths to success. We're joined today by Longtime friend of mine, I think probably known you, I'm going to guess, 16 years now, Chris. Is that is that about right?
1: Maybe a bit longer? I reckon it could be a bit longer. Yeah, too long, eh?
0: Getting on, getting on. Um, and Chris is a professional dancer and actor. So I remember seeing him, I've seen him, you know, a lot of things. So On the Town, We Will Rock You. You played The Toad and Wind in the Willows. Um, sometimes, and I'm skipping through Netflix, you're in a period drama. You're in Rush with the delightful Chris Hemsworth. I mean, loads of other things, probably too too much to to kind of count really and kind of mention. So it'd be good to get a bit of an intro from you in terms of a really kind of varied career, um, but also doing some teaching and things now. So it'd be good to understand what you're up to at the moment.
1: Yeah, um, well, currently I'm mostly running a professional Saturday school and teaching at professional academies, mostly London Studio Centre. I teach jazz and tap predominantly and I run and manage a Saturday school as part of that as well for young gifted performers that are aged 11 plus. But whilst doing that, yeah, I'm still obviously in the mix for auditions or looking at performing still, especially when things get back up and running. I like to balance a lot of things. Also some judging as well recently. So I've been judging some competitions and dance competitions, international competitions. Yeah, like I've just been performing my whole life. So yeah, as you said, really through theatre, through TV, through film, through live streaming this year, I even did something for an animation this year. So that was fantastic. So yeah, just I love to do as much as I can within the industry.
0: Yes, I think one of the things that I always say to people about you is when you watch a show, you can always see these people moving around. They try and match people up on height and stuff. So from a distance, you all kind of look the same. And I could always spot you because you were the best person there. Kind of, you had that kind of natural ability. But I think at the same time, probably one of the hardest working people I know. So I think in terms of this podcast, I think there's there's a lot to be learned from, you know, the power and the importance of kind of hard work. So it'd be good to understand your kind of journey from, you know, when you took an interest in dance and the kind of what's happened over the years and and, and the kind of dedication and effort it takes and I think also as a kind of secondary question you know the rejection I mean for me personally if I was going to an audition regularly and someone's saying no you're rubbish you know I think I eventually tools down so it'd be good to understand that that kind of journey.
1: Yeah of course well I think at the very start um, essentially I was a hyperactive young child so my mum was like what do I do with this child so I was put into lots of different things and I took quite well and fondly to sort of theater work and they put me in for the local pantomime as like a, a very young child at the age of nine in a sort of local audition but it was a professional one and i got in and then from there i went to a saturday school which is uh still going around today Stagecoach, which is a franchise and then from there they put me into an audition for the west end version of oliver when i was 12 and i got in and i was a, some very small child from a very small area called tewksbury in the middle of nowhere um to get in with lots of sort of london state school kids so it was. Um, that was a big eye-opener. And I think once I did that, although I enjoyed it, that really incited my passion. Like I was determined from then on to always do this career. It was in my head. Whatever I was going to do, I was going to get back to the stage. And then you get to an age where your voice breaks and you, there's not really a, a lot going on for sort of teenage children. At that time, there wasn't any way. So you knew you had to wait until you were sort of an adult to go back into it professionally. So obviously I did lots of things as a kid, keep going. But my main journey was to get there. So auditioned for sort of top performing arts colleges and got in and I was kind of an active singer when I was younger more, but my dancing slowly took over the more I did. Um, and I've just found my love for it. And I think that relates into the kind of rejection thing later, like whatever I did, whatever I set my mind on, I knew I was going to do it. It was that determination. So any no's were kind of like it was disappointing in that initial moment, but nothing was going to stop my ambition or my drive to look forwards and keep going. And then from kind of training and then getting into these amazing jobs that I managed to do, yeah, you just kind of get more and more excited about it. And I realized I loved everything about the industry. So even though I was performing in some great Western shows or touring, my mind likes to keep active, like I likes to keep going and thinking of what's next. I think that's why we're quite similar in terms of you and I as mates as well. Like we like to keep going and pushing it. So teaching came quite naturally because I was asked to do some teaching. and I found I had kind of an aptitude for it. And therefore, when I was teaching, I realized oh, this is actually a good gig between my performing jobs it keeps me fit it keeps me paid I quite like it and actually it affirms what I know and actually gives me a sense of confidence to kind of go in and give something to someone else and see it works you you sort of affirms that you do feel you know what you're talking about or know what you're doing so it kind of all was a full circle and I thought some point down the line I will want to do this more so it was like sowing the real small seeds for later on in life which I think is a really always important lesson because you can live in the moment as a performer quite a lot just think about what is right now and what is the very next thing. But actually, if you just put steps in for later as well, it's really, really good. So I think when you are really excited about something, when you're passionate about something, the hard work, it comes naturally because you want to do it. So although, yeah, when we were training, it was like nine to six every day. So it wasn't like a normal university course. You are in full on all the time. And then when you go out there, you've got to manage yourself. You are self-employed. So you've got to make sure you're kind of your CVs up to date, you're with the right unions, that you are keeping yourself trained up, that you respond to emails or messages all the time. that you, you can drop things quite quickly if an agent calls you for an audition. All of that stuff is really, really, really important, but you do it because you want to do it. So it has its tough moments, but I think that was why it didn't seem like hard work, although I was always busy later in life as I've taken on more teaching and more responsibility because I quite like that I quite like managing stuff I quite have a I've learned a bit more about the business side of running a dance school which has been really fascinating and balancing up my passions and also understanding the financial needs you need to support something to promote good dancing and good dance training that's where it's been trickier and more time consumption but again you sort of Find the time if you want to do it. So, and it's—I uh, think my whole life has been about balancing, just balancing stuff. You have the moments where you make mistakes and you learn from them, and you go forwards. So, I think that's a long-winded way of explaining everything you've asked there. I think
0: <laughs>
1: interesting. So, do you actually see this as a job, or do you see this as a hobby? You get paid. Um, oh, I think that's a good question because I always thought it's a hobby. I got paid. I think in recent years I'd see it as a bit of both, and especially this latest year with the pandemic, because obviously it's become quite more like things to do so I think there's moments where I feel like oh yeah it's a job I mean the beauty of the industry and what I do is there's always something different like whether it's performing gigs or teaching gigs they're all very different each when you go into and some of them can feel like a hobby and some of them you start to feel like a job and I think this is why I realized I wanted to do more as well because certain bits felt like a job and I didn't like that when it felt like a job I felt like I always wanted to do what I enjoyed because I initially approached it with the fact that I enjoyed what I do I don't like doing something and not enjoying it and instead of standing around just whinging I would rather just Sort of look to make a change, or look to make it better, or problem solve. So I think that's generally I like to see it as a hobby. I get paid for, but there are moments where it does feel like a job. But that's okay because then I try to make it not that. So I quite like that challenge. Yeah, I think there's a
0: kind of few lessons there in some of the conversations that come up in, in previous podcasts. I think one is around that kind of need for for balance. So in our line of work, we call it a portfolio career. But you know, in yours, I think it's just that, that kind of the nature of it and the variety of things that kind of come your way and, and, and the opportunities. But I guess from from your perspective, there's kind of things that maybe are creatively very interesting or have a lot of stimulus in terms of the type of work that you're doing and other things that are made, you know, just a paycheck and the way to kind of balance those things out. So there's like the passion and then there's the, the kind of stuff to
1: get paid. Is that, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is it. But I think, yeah, obviously the more you get you get paid for your jobs, it is better, isn't it? You know, that's the thing. I think I always try to make it, again, combined as much as possible sometimes you need to do that I've been very 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 lucky and I will touch with because I'll be honest about it like I don't tend to have to worry financially I haven't really since doing the career at the beginning a little bit but generally I've always been able to sort of have work involved um it might take me seeking it out it might take me pushing or thinking ahead but it's always been okay I've never had to do something where I've had to really go oh my gosh there's nothing on what am I going to do I'm going to have to do anything just to get money in I think because I always kind of pre-planned and got in there early and kept connections and i have that strive work ethic but i've never had to and I, I don't mind it if i did really but i just it's just been very very fortunate and very smooth in that sense to always be kind of working on something that's related to the industry i'm in and
0: yeah, we always talk about it, it's kind of who you know not what you know and i think your network is was often a joke when we, we used to live together because i couldn't go down the street we go to the tube station and we bump into five people and we go into town and bump into another five people and bearing in mind, London's a big place and there's millions of people, we'd see 10 people every journey that you knew. And I think it's interesting for me to, to kind of learn about even more so in your industry, so kind of film and dance and performance. It is, from, from my perspective, from the outside looking in, a bit more of a clique, very much around you like someone, you know someone, you're friends with someone, and that's how the, the world works. So it'd be good to get a bit more of a, kind of look behind the curtain in terms of how those kind of things
1: work. Well, yeah, I mean, as you kind of know, with a job, especially a performing job, it can be normally up to a year, but it can be as much as a day or a few months or something like that. So you're constantly kind of changing groups of people that you're working with a lot of the time. And therefore you make a lot of contacts also because the nature of the industry, everyone sort of knows everyone. So you, you kind of do have a lot of contacts between them all. And it's a, quite a social industry. We often meet other people or you're brought to meet people or especially if you go abroad with someone else, like you'll meet their family, you meet meet their friends, everything. So the connections do kind of infiltrate out. And I think because we're quite generally quite confident and extrovert people, you know, we're not quite shy. So we're often out and about. We're often social. We talk a lot. So I think that's why we often end up meeting a lot of people that we do know. And obviously we share a lot of commons and we all love what we do generally. So we're all quite happy to sort of socialize in that sense. And it again it doesn't sort of feel like you're with your work friends. As I think some people can feel like they've got work colleagues and that's what it feels like when they're with them. Whereas we don't generally feel like that. Definitely who you know is really, really good because obviously you can kind of see people how they work and a lot of it is recommendation or you know, sometimes somebody will drop out of the job and then a colleague needs someone and might we'll ask someone they trust and that person goes, oh right, this person's in my head right now. I can think of that person, they're great, they're reliable, and I know that they could they'll be nice and nice to work with, which I think is really important. And fortunately, like I've had a few jobs where I've been recommended or asked straight off the bat because they feel they can trust me. They feel they like working with me. um, And they feel I can deliver what I need to deliver, which is really, really good, actually, without sort of jump through too many hoops. And you feel respected in that way. So I think that thing kind of works. And similar like with the film and TV, like I often work for a similar choreographer or assistant choreographer. They like to use the same people because they want to know they can rely on them. They want to know they can trust them. They want to know they're going to enjoy working with them. And I think, again, Style thing of enjoying what you're doing. You don't really want to work with someone that you don't enjoy with if you don't have to, if they can still deliver. So yeah, I often get asked, you know, are you available for this? We'd love to have you on board. Yeah, great. And often it's the same groups of people sometimes as well, which I love because we all get on. So yeah, I think it's a lot of them. People are very much, yeah, it's quite integrated a lot, but there's a lot of us out there. But um, yeah, there's a lot of types of people around and they work in certain circles. But again, yeah, who you know is definitely a massive part of it.
0: I thought it was an interesting point you made, because actually it made me think, before our conversation on my lunch, I was watching something on YouTube, and it was between, I think, Emily Blunt and her husband, and he was talking about how, when they first started working together, he'd never seen how she works, and there was a real emphasis on how somebody works, and very specifically talking about the energy that she bought. And I can totally understand that, because when you're going through a creative process, especially, I think, if you're probably making a film... It's a it's a slog, you know. It might it might quite seem quite glamorous, but it's it's hard work. So talk to me about this this kind of concept around the way how someone works, rather than kind of what they do, and in, in this kind of almost management of energy in the room. Because obviously, if you go flat, you're not going to get a good take. You're not it's, it's not going to be a good scene. So how, how does all that work?
1: Yeah, film is a very interesting bag because it's you so don't really get what it's like behind. I don't think. sometimes you get these documentaries that show a bit, but actually it still looks quite fast-paced and quite glamorous. And actually, there's a lot of moments where there's a lot of waiting and a lot of time. And it can be quite tense where you're doing it over and over and over and over again. I think everyone, actors especially, work very, very individually and very, very differently depending on how they've been trained or what their process is to get into a character. Everyone brings their own thing. You don't always get to witness that because they're not only preparing before. But I think when we all sort of prepare for stuff, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. I tend to predominantly dancing film, so a lot of the time we are uh, rehearsing kind of beforehand with potential day changes that might shift depending on the schedule normally it's fairly quick sometimes then we are rehearsing with actors the actors might be less able of dancing so we're keeping with that and making sure they feel okay because there's not a long time and i think for the a- main actors especially like they've got to do something like a dance scene or dance and talk or be around dancing just walking around it and then talk and be involved in something or wait for a musical cue they depending on their experience they might be less experienced in that and obviously they've got to carry that responsibility to, yeah, to get to get a good take because there's not much time and once you're on the set it's kind of just a brief rehearsal and then you go what I always find interesting with the dance scenes especially or anything with music is that you don't they don't really play the music because they've got to get speech sound so the music is given to you in like a little earpiece called near and you put it in your ear so you can hear it but not everyone has it so some people will have it some people won't and you've got to keep to that Tempo, you've got to know when it is, or use visual cues to know when a script, a line going to be delivered, or when we're going to start dancing. There's not enough for everyone. So it's quite an interesting bag. You're also doing that whilst manipulating, you know, making sure you're out the way of the camera, but keeping in the sight line of the camera, whilst, you know, making sure all the crew that are around you, you know, are, you're not going to get in their way. All these sorts of things go on in terms of the hard work behind it in the process. And therefore, I think every actor actually is quite incredible when they go on, you know, and do things. Film, there is in a way, More time, and there's a bit more budget. So, if there is sort of a wrong take, it's not ideal, but they've got time to make it work, and there's a lot involved. TV works so much quicker, like they have a deadline, they have to get things done because they're often turning out episodes weekly. So, there's not much time for error in that respect, and therefore they're going to have to get what they get done. and I think that's again another process that the actor has to really know their craft, really be ready to go, and uh, be straight on it. But I think with practice, that comes naturally. But it is, yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of effort um, that goes into it.
0: So how does it work if you're kind of new to the industry and you're thrown into that? Because it strikes me as probably the worst thing is not having a clue what you're doing. Because it, it's almost you're kind of strapped in and, it, and it's like the whole machine's moving and you're on the treadmill and you don't know, even know there was a treadmill and it, you're a bit lost. So how does that bit work when you're kind of starting out?
1: That's a really good question because I often think like, again, it reminds me of being new because you're right, actually. It's actually quite a stressful scenario and you need to know that you can be relied on because you, if you mess up, like on a film, you cause kind of, it's not great. Like, I mean, people are getting a bit nicer, but you don't want to be responsible for a take going wrong. If you're not doing a lot, especially, you just don't want that or causing a problem. Um, and there is a lot to think about. You know, you can't mess about. You can't. Often things are thrown at you very last minute. We're going to change this now. We're going to shoot that camera there or the steady cam's going to come around. So you've got to be ready. There's a lot that goes into it logistically. I can't 100% relate because I did a lot of extra work when I was younger to get work <laughs> when I was about sort of 15, 16. And then also I did extra work in between jobs as well when I was first out amidst my performing jobs. And I think from that, you understand from a very simple side of things how film life works. So I kind of already had that experience of being on a film set, being around it, knowing what was expected. Obviously then learning choreography or having to act in front of a camera then adds a few complexities, but I already felt a bit familiar. I think if you're brand new coming in, it can be a lot more of a shock um, to deal with. But I have seen some younger ones come through I think the best thing is you're normally with people who are experienced, and you're in, and normally in rehearsals. So a choreographer or a fellow people will kind of explain it if someone's new to it, and kind of help them out and guide them through. And generally, you're around, like say, company. I don't, I think that's what it is. And with practice, it gets better and better and better. But um, it's never too stressful. But I think I think it can be, could be quite daunting to someone that hasn't got it. And that's why you need to know someone is reliable or you know trustworthy on that set really in, in, in those situations especially when we're doing like choreography and things like that i tend to take anyone that's new and trying to help them out um myself i quite like that and i always say to them just ask questions ask anything you need to know about before going on if you feel like you're not sure about something the good thing is there's a lot of normally time between takes and things all different shots so if something was a bit odd or went a bit wrong you might have, we can talk it out and explain it and then make them better going in but i think for anyone new going and be super vigilant super like super as prepared as you possibly can and just be ready to kind of be quite quickly told something and react quite calmly to it and do your best and not stress about how good you're doing it. Just really keep aware, keep open-minded and keep on the situation and not 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 not, not lose it.
0: Yeah, I think it sounds like there's a few things there. One is, and I think really important just in anything, is, is don't go into something being quite complacent. I think if you were quite casual about, it sounds like a situation like that, it could be quite problematic for you. So like you said, hyper-prepared and that whether that is, going on a film set or doing a pitch in business, obviously kind of vitally important. And I think the second thing is, which people don't do often, is ask questions. And I think what's really good about your industry is, is a really good kind of parallel, is if I'm in the office and I don't really ask some questions and I kind of do something for a bit and it kind of goes wrong, okay, i probably wasted a period of my time and my boss will say to me, I've done it wrong. But in your industry, if I didn't ask any questions and I made a complete mess of it, that's a lot of talent, that's a lot of time and effort that's gone into something that someone who's 120 pound a day extra has just walked in front of the camera or do you know what I mean so, so I think it's a really important lesson when they kind of start to tear up in, 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 the, in the pressure stakes the importance to have being comfortable about asking questions and seeking out the people that are going to have that like like you do when you're on set have that kind of nurturing ability that, that you can
1: kind of buddy up with yeah completely asking questions is just super important but I think also like be prepared but don't be over worried or over nervous. I think people that can keep, keep calm and stressful situations are the better ones in that sense. So you do you want a slight sort of relaxed nature, but not like too relaxed. You don't want to be so relaxed. You don't care, but you want to be, okay, yeah, I'm open to this being, you know, whatever. I think, because I think a lot of people do think it can be quite simple because a lot of the stuff I've done on film is actually some period dancing and some of the steps are actually very, very simple, but you need to carry it off in terms of style, very, you know, authentic to the period that you're in you need to sort of be able to act it and not be phased by the camera or anything like that. And obviously remember what you're doing. And then also there's lots of logistical things that, as, as I've said already, that can kind of create, well, just more complicated than looks a lot more complicated than the looks. Um, I, I think my funniest experience was on Tim Burton's Alice with the looking glass, because we had to do a very fast polka dance in a circle and um, with quite a lot of couples. And, and also we would cross through the circle. We had quite a structured formation and, and changes of placements and things like that. But then this, circle it's more of an oval was in a very well it was a good size ballroom but we were surrounded by hundreds of extras and then they put these characters in the middle of the circle and then for some of the takes they put a steady cam in the middle plus the, you've got the sound guy with the boom and a couple of other crew members so it was quite mad and as you're going around you have to then make sure when you're out of of the camera you're getting out of the way of the boom and the crew not hitting the steady cam, jumping over wires whilst you're also wearing those earpieces i talked about so you like and, they only, and only the male dancers had them, so I'm holding on to this female dancer going, basically, hold on, I've got you, don't worry, running around, having to come back in time with the music, because if you don't, the person behind you is going to crash into you, or you're going to miss your chance to cross the circle, or something like that, or oh, you're going to hit a act, main actor, which would be the worst thing ever. Um, I kind of, in this situation, after you kind of have to laugh about it, because it's so funny if people could see what we were really doing you know whilst we've kind of got elaborate costumes on whilst girls earrings were sort of falling off or you know a skirt was getting caught and trying to manage that there's just so much that goes on and you know you keep professional you keep doing it all but it is kind of you have to laugh a little bit afterwards because it's just absolutely bonkers and then you know you get a very quick take on the film and you're like oh that was it <laughs> that's fine I guess kind of interesting
0: in terms of your own experiences and probably the example i could think of is i remember when you you had a kind of named part in a hollywood film so almost like you know, you've kind of mastered it at that level. And then suddenly you're thrown into, obviously, Ron Howard, obviously a, f- a kind of famous director. You've got Chris Hemsworth, Olivia Wilde. You know, these are, these are big actors, big directors. Uh, you know, and, th- and there's some budget there, you know, in terms of what they're doing. Kind of how was that from you, from, I guess, kind of lots of theatre, some TV and, and like, so some extra work and so on. And then suddenly you've kind of leveled up quite considerably, quite quickly.
1: Talk to me about that experience. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, having worked in theatre though before, I have obviously worked with or met many kind of high-profile people. So you do still kind of get used to that. And then, yeah, having gone into like a film set where I'm sort of near people, I think again, it's that not being facing. I mean, I do, I respect them all and I think they're absolutely fantastic. And you do sort of, you get this sort of sense of, oh, we're kind of a good level here. This is amazing. There's kind of a nice buzz you get. However, at the same time, I think everyone's a human being and good at what they do. So I kind of don't get overfaced. But working closely with something like that, I kind of find, I just find it exciting. I just find it thrilling. It kind of drives me more. You do get elements of like nerves and things, but you kind of, I kind of use who's around me and look at them and what they're doing and how they're doing things. And I kind of learn from the whole experience the whole time. I'm really, I love watching like in general, like I love people watching, I love watching other things. So when I get time and you do get time in the film, I'm sort of watching how everyone is and what it's like. And then I kind of just embrace that when I'm working with them as well. I reckon Ron Howard is amazing. It uh, is he, quite a relaxed nature on the film set in some ways. And also the film was about Formula One, which I just really enjoyed. <laughs> it was just a sporty vibe. So it was kind of, I felt very comfortable in that environment. I've seen film sets where it's, it feels very, very tense and very, very quiet. You can hear a pin drop, even though there's hundreds of people in the room um, because it's quite big and high profile. And I suppose that would be slightly less comfortable for me. I quite like it when it's more relaxed and not so quiet intense, and, uh, and this was more relaxed in that sense you get a sense of pride from it and and it depending who you're with like they were really lovely people all of those people from the director to the to the main stars they were all really really nice i happened to chat to you and i think that helps and you relax when that, that happens as well so i was speaking to chris hemsworth i was speaking to daniel brawl i even spoke to, to daniel ball in a bit of german um because i knew a bit and um he was quite impressed so it was yeah i think that process is kind of just down to you as individual how you cope with those sort of things but i just loved it and i think anything like that i just kind of go yeah i'm enjoying this let's let's embrace this as much as you possibly can and and remember every moment which i managed to do as well so
0: yeah and in terms of there's a kind of perception that uh, there's lots of people in film and i read even read some stories recently that are kind of divas or they're not coming out of their trailer or they're unprofessional sounds like obviously that kind of set was was quite the opposite and everyone was really friendly and, and total professionals but it, it's that, that kind of idea of the diva kind of dying out now because nobody wants to work with those people or, or, or they're still getting work and you're still bumping
1: into them? I think the diva thing is sort of dying out. I think you still get the odd one of the few from what I hear more than what I've experienced. And I think I kind of get it, guess it depends on a lot of things, but I think it is. And I've always seen lots of things over time, like over, even when I used to watch old, old, old Hollywood films. I think often the ones that are really bad tend to be less, have less longevity generally because probably because yeah, they're not, they don't enjoy being worked with or actually the, the way that because they're behaving like that, they don't kind of have this, they don't kind of push themselves to keep being better or necessarily or, or to want more or anything like that. I think it kind of has lots of factors involved. And I remember some of the old, I've seen an interview with an old star called Ann Miller, and she always says the ones that are, behave like that, like they don't, they don't last. The ones that last are the ones that are nice and professional and are humble. And i kind of seen that ever since I kind of agree with that even now. But I do think you're right. I think there are less divas. I feel it feels like there are less divas around. Uh, I think people are seeing the importance of being nice more, being polite more. I think because of behind the scenes, or interviews or the way people talk, you know that people like to work with people they like. I think that is becoming more common, um, which is good.
0: And then in terms of if someone was interested in... Following, I guess, kind of one of your paths really through either dance or kind of film and TV. You know, where's a good place to start? So I think there's there's no necessarily steadfast way of doing something. You know, some people are plucked from obscurity and, and suddenly that they're they're big time. Some people have gone through you know top drama schools or, or dance schools. What's some kind of good
1: tips for anyone who's looking
0: to start out?
1: I think if you just, oh, just, I hope you enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, then I would just say that's just that's your start. If you find something you love. Then that would naturally be the best starting point, and then be just be open minded and be nice. Don't be closed minded and just go, "Oh, I'm just going to do this, or I'm just going to do that." And I think for me, overall, I think being more open minded has always helped me out, and I think that's the way to be. I also think always be nice to everyone, whether it's your first teachers, whether it's you're doing a theater uh, like a first theater show and you're talking to the crew or the people that work at a house or anything. Be nice to all those people it brings outside of you that's going to really help you going forward. And ultimately, I think nowadays, especially for younger people, I think don't get disheartened by anything that feels negative or anything you can't do. You're not made to do things straight off the bat, straight away. And the beauty is in the journey of progression. The beauty is in the journey of learning and making mistakes and and continuing. And I know that sounds kind of probably cliche, but the best things you learn are from the mistakes always. And things can sound easy, but I've always made it better once I've maybe done something wrong. So for instance, when I've been balancing lots of jobs, there's been times where I've not balanced it very well. But you learn how to going forward there was a show i did where i felt like i wasn't doing a great job at all when i was first learning it and my self-patience taught me to wait be okay still be nice keep going and then i ended up like doing very very well and got a lot of you know kind of positive feedback from it so those are the sort of things i think that's about as small as i can make it <laughs> to to say to people starting out if that's any help at all
0: i think is i think you, you kind of make it easy or sound easy and I guess me kind of almost, sorry, I've had had the joy, I guess, of witnessing you from probably, what, 18 to, to what you are now, is so what we you, 36, 37? So, you know, really long time from, from, from kind of early days to where, where you are now. And I think a few things, one is, you know, you're always one doing a plank or some sit-ups, whatever it is while I'm tucking into some Chris watching TV. Your diet's <laughs> really good. You go to the gym all the time. But I think what's interesting is you've almost made that, lifestyle based that isn't even you don't even think about it it's just like uh kind of like a reflex or a reaction you know need to do a plank need to do some setups need to work on my core. is there something in that in terms of kind of creating positive routines and you talked about mindset as well to kind of bring that kind of almost mind and body putting yourself in the best place to be successful in in what is a really kind of quite physically and mentally
1: demanding career yeah I mean I think you have to have self-confidence I actually sort of think the things around me were helpful though I mean it's it's lucky because I had Really good family support because that always helps in the off because you go you don't you're not sort of stressing worried about that. Very good friends actually, because that means you feel confident when you're talking to people, especially if you've got similar interests, but they kind of keep you grounded as well. Um, <laughs> as you always do, you know. Um and I also look at inspiration or maybe others before me or what people are doing or talk to other people, because you want to look at where you, what you're gonna go and who do you kind of like or whose career do you like, and I might see how they work or how they are, and that would that would influence me to do that. And I think that's really, really useful because everyone's kind of got their own individual journey with it I think that's why I maybe I've implemented stuff and, and just really good advice I've just had the best advice from the teachers I've had all of it's really from the training and the guidance I've had from amazing teachers and amazing people that I can think of and and how they've nurtured me but how I've listened to them and taken that on and watched them and been influenced by them I think I will always be thankful for that and I think that's what kind of ultimately shaped me I don't think I kind of came out just being able to know and, and do all these things. I think every step of the way, I've been enlightened and told how to do things, whether it's been exercises, whether it's been stretching, whether it's kind of, yeah, practicing my weaknesses, what, what, you know, whatever. I've always had to, there's always been a struggle, you know, like for instance, like my singing has never been my strongest point, but as a musical performer, um, it's been something I've always had to, keep up and continue to work on and I've always had nerves even when I go into with that I don't feel confident I feel always nervous and I still feel nervous when I go in for a singing audition but I have to keep it up I have to keep trying to get and kind of mentally psych myself up to kind of do it and you know, that reminds me that you know that's why maybe I haven't got certain jobs as well before so yeah it's not easy but I do I do use the people around me to influence me and I think in another way in terms of what people don't realize is when you sort of come out and you are performer or whatever you want to be within the industry you are self-employed in, in our sense you are essentially what's called a sole trader but you are your own business as a person you are your own business and i think that takes a while to get used to you kind of rely on everyone else at the beginning like an agent or something like that and actually you can rely on yourself a lot like it is you putting yourself out there how you want to do manage your time and what you need to do so like a business would you know get its resources up to date it would keep itself Keep yourself well, there'll be training involved. Well, you've got to keep training yourself, you've got to keep yourself ready. You've got to be really ready with your diary to make sure you're open to the things you need to do, but you can also diversify within that and make sure as long as you're you know scheduling well and you're organized, you can like get the balance of various different things. And I think it's good if you've got different passions to involve it as well to kind of keep you grounded so your stress and your anxiety is not all kind of related to just this one thing where somebody decides if you get a job. I think that's also a big part of it as well, and I think where I've been able to get lots of like my fingers in different pies, I, always, I actually kind of feel more comfortable. I feel more safe. And that's why I feel probably like it sounds quite easy, but the whole journey has been hard work, but that's why I feel more like, yeah, comfortable with it.
0: Yeah. I think it's putting yourself in a position to be successful. So if you turn up to an audition, there's five people there and they're all friendly faces and you know them, that makes it a lot easier than kind of coming off the street or you never met them before. They don't know how you work. You think it's obviously going to be a much harder, I guess, kind of sell where if they know, you've kind of got that bit already, which is, you know, I really like working with Chris. I know I know how he works. He's really good. Is he right for this part? As opposed to, is he right for this part? And is he going to be good work? You know, I guess there's kind of lots lots more kind of qualification criteria, I guess I'd call it. Whereas if if you've got that that wide network and that, those kind of people that you know, they're just focusing on, are you right for this part? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing is is important and you do always, you know, I'm a lay person, so I'm by no means a dance specialist, or um, I certainly would be well away from really come dancing. But, you know, this ability to take criticism, but almost to, to kind of seek feedback from everyone, you know, and I think that's something, again, which is not all that common, you, you know, you've got to be able to take it on the chin, you've got to be able to want to improve constantly. And things quite fractional, if, 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 if something's not quite working here or it could get a little bit better here you know it's this kind of constant kind of state of evolution so talk to me about that in terms of the way someone picks you up on certain things and certain pointers and how you kind of take that on board and what you do with that information
1: you're right it can be quite hard sometimes to hear you know honest feedback in a way or the criticisms that you can get down the line you can get it from a teacher or yeah or feedback from an audition or a choreographer before something if it is a bit more Normally, it's aimed to be constructive, and I think a lot of people now are quite good, and it's it's delivered quite well. But you know, back when I was training and stuff, you could hear some quite you know tough things. Um, I think initially, if it if it hurts you, then what it does is you, hopefully you come through it and you understand how why that was said. Once you've got through the initial emotion of it, and then you you go, oh okay, you come back stronger. And go, oh actually, I take that on. And normally, you can look back and go, actually, I'm, I was glad I was told about to, that and was able to work on it but yeah we also do seek feedback as well from auditions why 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 did i not get a job or why am i not right for this role and you don't always know you don't know anything really when you first start out you really don't get it it's hard you just think and you just look at people or you look at a show or you look at a film and you think i'm right for that Surely, in my head i, I don't see why i wouldn't be through practicing time you start to realize that maybe that is the case and you get it and i think i've seen that with teaching and actually been small involvement with casting is where well. you actually see who is right for certain things through the experience and also i think over time I've realized everyone's human so although these people can tell you you know what they think of you and whether it's something is right or whether something is not or give you some negative comments that's their opinion in that moment for their job they are professional and expert at doing but it is just that one moment and that shouldn't define you you could take from it what you need to take from it so if you can work on it great if it's just going to upset you and offend you then I think you've got to realize actually well that's that person it's not that's not absolute 100% fact and that's what that person thinks for that job and maybe then that's not right and we all have opinions about things we all have kind of we could all criticize a lot of things a lot of people in certain ways and I think we've all got that capability so I think it's just remembering that a we're human um and also we don't have to use that knowledge and define us 100% as passionate as we are I think if you think a little bit bigger outside of that I think it's easier to kind of cope with and, and keep moving on I'm trying to think of an example I can't think of an example but I do know that when there's been tough times initially it just feel like the worst thing and then but then you continue the rejection is often quite hard if you don't get a job you really 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 want in that first moment it's, it's it can be so destroying but often then you find there's a reason maybe for that and something else happens and you feel oh okay oh it's okay it's great and you do get stuff later on you just have to i just I like thinking long term more than short term now so i kind of think in that moment whatever happened okay I understand that take it on move forward kind of keep being better it's something you develop that skill it's a it's it's a kind of personal mechanism you get as you get more confident going forwards and feel free to share in it but i think if you've ultimately also got your own aim and ambition to keep driving forwards you'll take the knowledge that won't stop you i think if you're a bit wavering on whether you want to do it or not from the off that's when it might now those sort of comments could really impact on whether you continue going forward
0: yeah because i think it brings it quite nicely into my next question really is about I guess in my line of work, it's pitches. So you, you might do three pitches in a row, and you win all of them, and you feel like you're indestructible, and you, you, you're desperate for more pitches because you just you're on a roll, basically. And then also you can go the other way. So, so you you know you, you maybe you've got three in a row, and, you, and you've got not got any of them. And it's kind of how, how does that? How do you deal with that? So, so you said about kind of if you feel that you're perfect for a part and don't get it, but what happens if you have three in a row that you're perfect for and you don't get it? Like how how do you? Kind of pick yourself up from that because I imagine there's there's lots of people and probably something we haven't necessarily talked about so much in terms of they might have the skills from a, a physical and a talent perspective but they haven't necessarily got the mental resilience to say right I've gone to three auditions I've bombed all three but I'm going to keep bugging away and, and you know you hear all these stories about people who are really successful and become A-list actors they've all had heavy, heavy, heavy rejection, and some of them have thought about quitting, and then suddenly they're in Friends. I think I can't remember one of them, in Friends, was, was literally on the cusp of jacking, acting in, and then suddenly they're Chandler or Joey or whatever. So how are you going to do that if, if, if you do... And it sometimes is luck of the draw, it's not necessarily talent, it's how you look, for example, your height, whatever. What happens if you do hit a bit of a bad patch? How do you pick yourself up?
1: Yeah, it's, it's like that, and it can be you know a certain significant amount of time that you are getting rejected for. I think you're going to have that down moment and I think everyone needs to deal with it a certain way it's like um it's never going to be nice however I think it's that you question a lot and you start to really you know go in and you do think should I be doing this should I not be doing this I think 100% you've got to keep that going if you love it you absolutely love it you really really want to do it something where that will that will cause a stumbling block in your journey but it, wor- it shouldn't really really stop you and I think it's all right to step back a bit have patience and maybe find out why that has not been if it's nothing you can do about it so for instance those three jobs just for instance were like actually the tip people they knew already or they only it was only like one role for one of them where it would have suited you and then just one other person got it but you were next in line you know you've kind of got things you can kind of ho- hold on to if there's nothing you can you know change if you feel like actually i can maybe shift myself up and adapt this then maybe you do that but i think nothing comes nothing you really want comes easy and something like a career like this is not just as we've already said it's just it's not easy It's quite specialist and you do have to be hardworking and disciplined. So what you can get out of it, if you want to get, you know, some really good stuff is it feels amazing, but nothing that good can come that easy. And I think oddly, if you do get through that period and you continue, however long it takes, even if you just keep trucking through, the feeling of achievement is worth it. And you go, oh, you know, thank goodness for that. And actually you can really feel proud of yourself. There's nothing to say you should or shouldn't stop. I would just say to anyone that, you know, would feel like that. I think if you really love it, just wait, keep going, keep trying keep going for it but do other things around what your career that kind of help you out to just feel good about yourself you know hang out with mates speak to people do a job and get have hopefully like a little hobby or something else where you you know you're good at to kind of give yourself some sort of worth somewhere else so you don't feel like your whole mental well your mental well-being is kind of related to is, is in the power of that just happening i think if you can keep yourself going in that sense that will help but i think a lot of actors or performers that have had break breaks and as you said some of them have some of the major actors really 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 have They've just continued, they just waited, they just kept going in some way. Or, you know, you can kind of look to see if you can do your own thing a bit on the side. You know, can you, are you good at writing? Are you good at, you know, writing yourself something? Are you good at choreographing? Could you, could you get a little project going with some people that you know? Something to keep your creativity going and also just keeps you feeling empowered before you then get something else. Those would be kind of my tips. I think, again, everyone has a different way of doing it, but I think if you're just going to give up, then you may regret it and that feeling might be worse than waiting it out however long it takes to wait it out for um and as hard as that might be but as i said nothing really that good can come easy all the time and one other thing i would say is just don't compare your your journey and you are completely different to other people all the time it's so easy to compare to someone that's you know working all the time social media is a nightmare for that because you can see people just looking like they're in blissful working life the entire time and not seeing the backstory to what was going you know going on with them and so you just naturally can compare and go I'm not like that. I'm not doing as well. Oh my god, I'm not right for it, and that's what can perpetuate worse. So I think just ignore that. Do your thing for you in your way, and you, you know, and everyone what they do will be fine. It's, it's, you've got to be individual about it in that respect.
0: Yeah, totally. I think something we've spoken about on previous podcasts is I think two things. One, I think in your industry, it's really important to be yourself because you know you think of lots of successful people that they play versions of themselves. You know, and that's the most authentic thing. I mean, only the really top 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 method actors and you know are playing a really diverse type roles and there's no one better at being you than you you know so, so and also i think um you might be out of fashion right now and then you're in fashion next week you know and, and if you've compromised who you are then and you're always kind of chasing something that's inauthentic i think it sounds like a quite a dangerous place to be honest i think it's much better to kind of be yourself and, and i think also i mean from my own personal experience when someone buys you for you and you haven't tried to be something else, that's the most powerful. And that's what, it gives you the biggest boost.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's so easy to try to kind of be something you think someone wants, but actually when you get that validation in a way of them um, enjoying who you are and you're being genuinely you, then yeah, it, it is. I love that boost. Absolutely. And there's this kind of
0: sideways question just out of a fascination of mine. So obviously you've been in lots of shows on the West end and so on. And the thing that gets to me is you're doing this. Is it, seven times a week or something like that. not it like it's like two days you do it twice or a comment you do a number of shows a week a lot and it's the same every time and i and i always say to people do you not just get bored of like doing the same thing day in day out and they always say no everything's different and like take me through that in terms of you know you, you're eight months into the same show where does the motivation come from and
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's eight shows a week, generally over six days. Uh, Sorry, seven, yeah, six days. You normally get a day off. Yeah, and there's two matinee shows in a week. So yeah, it can be quite a lot when you're doing a long time of a show. You know, naturally have better shows than others. Um, I think the motivation comes from, again, if you love it, you sort of weirdly enjoy it. I can always make it, I just feel like you can still, you can develop in the role of it. You normally, you know, there's normally an acting part to play and actually develops more as you go over. So I always feel like, you know, your best part is already after a good couple of two or three months maybe because you've really, develop that role and you can just kind of keep adding little layers to it it's not very obvious or significant layers maybe to everyone and also it's not like you're changing blocking or choreography or anything but you're just adding a quality to it as you go so that's kind of what can keep you going to it Um, little things like sometimes when the cast member goes off and there's someone different on that often changes it up you know with lots of understudies or swings uh where they kind of cover other people and that changes the dynamic of the show the audience you know kind of keeps you going if they're motivated especially if they're quite a lively audience that's always a great one. You do have those shows that could feel a little bit less energised, but I think overall there's ways to kind of keep yourself going through. I always used to say to my, in my head, and it was a long show, if I did feel a bit tired that day and I was like, oh, less kind of enthused by it, I would say, I'd kind of make up in my head there was a major cast and director or major agent in the audience, because actually it is actually possible that that could happen. You know, it's not completely impossible. So I say that person could be out there tonight. And I'd say that. So that's also useful to remember, or like someone really important out there, or maybe the director of the show had actually snuck in. That shouldn't be my impetus to do it. I should always be doing my best job, but it kind of adds that extra, oh, all right, yeah, actually, you never know. Something could happen from that one show. And I kind of convinced myself that that was the case. That would keep me going through a show. I think those jobs are often, like you said, a year-long contract. I will, I do find that after a few of them, but personally for me, I don't love doing exactly the same thing for a year anymore. It's why I don't. A lot of people do. A lot of people are good at it. Some people do it for years and years and years, can do the same show, because they enjoy the knowledge of... The material they don't feel stressed by it but can still just embrace themselves and enjoying it and i think when you're around live music and you're on stage and you're in a theater whatever you're doing whether it's the same thing or not there's always that buzz there's always an adrenaline on stage there's always an excitement and there's always something slightly different or something new going on so i think that's what helped. but for me personally now i like doing slightly shorter contracts so i feel like i've got into the role i've enjoyed it got the best out of it thoroughly loved it and then i'm ready artistically to move on to something else quite often
0: the final thing that kind of brings me on quite nicely that we'd wanted to talk about is the business side. So you are a brand, you are a product, you are your own business. And something that strikes me is that's not taught, you know, that they kind of, you're really good at dancing, good luck. And they just chuck you out on the street. So how, how did you kind of, kind of cut your teeth from, from, a, from a business standpoint and, and that shift from an artist who likes to perform to an artist who likes to perform who can run a business? which consists of you and you only.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I get asked to talk about this a lot now to younger students and I think there is a lot more for them now than there ever was when I was training uh, to realise that. I think because my mind's always active, starting off, even when I was in a show, I'd often like to like, be like the dance captain or something else. You end up managing people a little bit and organising stuff, which is always a natural skill I've always had. And therefore that had developed and you always want to take that maybe a little bit further. And because of teaching and things, when I got into teaching somebody influenced me to say, look, if you want to keep doing that alongside, you're going to need a qualification. So I kind of said, okay. And from that, I learned a little bit there. And I always had, had a bit of a business head, I think, in me as well. Like it, there was elements of that I learned from that. But I think, and I think you and I have talked about this before, even if I'm sat in a coffee shop, I will look at a coffee shop and how it's run. now. some little part of me will go, well, I would just actually just do this, or I would do that, or I would probably, this would be great if I I've got an idea for this to so be like almost an artistic idea, but then how I would manage it would also come into my head. And I think that's always happened with every situation I've been in. I always look at things and think, well, if I did it, I think I would do this, even if it's something completely different to what I do. And I think the old, what I started to realize is like, if I keep thinking this, it's going to annoy me if I don't do something. I need to try something myself to see if I'm right or not in my head. Am I just, you know, making up rubbish in my head or can I do this sort of thing? And I think people could see a little bit of it in me. So I was actually encouraged to do like, like running the school and things like that. It kind of was advised for me to do. Someone saw a nature within me to do it. And I think that was really lovely. I had, would I have pushed myself to do it potentially later on? Initially, that was the first thing. And I did think, oh, I'm not sure this is something I can actually face and do. But starting small and building up, I realized actually I had an actual skill set for it. And I think there is a lot to be said for dancers and performers because we're very disciplined, that we have to be organized, we have to be efficient, that there probably is more to your skill set than you think to be able to do that. and. In terms of like branding myself, it comes over time. I started off with an agent. They kind of help you out a little bit. They kind of like to know where your skill set is and where you are and they kind of push for you. Then as I did more and more stuff, oddly, you realise they be like, what shows you tend to do a lot more. And I tend to do like a lot of classical jazz shows and where my technique fell more. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of where I suit. This is a niche I could take on as well. You, you feel good about kind of promoting yourself in that way. And it's kind of been a, as I go, learning step thing I don't think it was like oh I definitely know I can do all of this all all the time things have come at you I think that's the beauty of the industry and that's kind of why I say keep open-minded keep keep what it is but I think ultimately my brain has always had this thing of going oh it'd be nice to manage that and do something with this and put your skill set together and I think I just as you go on and get more confident I realize I've got a skill set I've got a skill set that is organized that can manage people well um that can talk to people well I kind of understand pushing students through and what they need to do and understanding the standards they need to a certain level and as well as you know knowing my craft so it was putting the kind of both sides together and seeing how that goes and then the reward from it was awesome and that's why I think I mean I had a great mentor in terms of the business side of things I learned as I went and he was guiding me through like the financial stuff and I didn't I couldn't just sort of put on loads of like dance lessons and pay loads of money to amazing people without getting the income in you know and all that as it went on how it all works is fascinating actually and then Taking ownership and control of that has been brilliant and something is definitely learned over time. But again, being open minded to it is, is what's necessary. Um, I, and it, like I've already said, it's like you are your own business. You can kind of do that in any way you want. And that's why I kind of advise people a kind of put little things in place, see what, you, what are your skills from basic skill set to your, you know, your own personality. Are you someone that, you know, is quite good at writing stuff or you're quite good at organizing? What is, you know, what is it? You might be able to use that down the line. Never think it's a separate thing just because you are a dancer or an actor or something specific that you cannot then use that and do your own journey in a certain way brilliant chris
0: lots of learnings there i think not only if you're looking to get into the industries whether that be dance tv or film but i think also lots of parallels to kind of business in the sense of you know in working such a high pressured environment i think there's some some learnings there that are kind of well worth taking into kind of day-to-day for anyone who's kind of running their business or working with a business so thank you very much for coming on Probably opportunity for some shameless plugs now. So don't you want to talk about your dance school? And if if people want to kind of get in touch with you, what's the kind of best way to do that?
1: Yeah, you can get in touch with me on, probably on social media now is the best way on Instagram, at Crispy Snaps. That's always the best one to get me on, I think, if you want to talk to me or anything like that. The school I run is part of the School London Studio Centre. So I run LSC Associates, which is for gifted and talented students. They audition um, from age 11 upwards. We have two branches, one in London at the headquarters. And one in the Mes- Midlands region, based in Hereford, they are absolutely fantastic dancers. We've got a great team of staff um, that train you in versatile performing. Most dance-heavy, but you get ballet, jazz, contemporary, and singing is optional, but we encourage it um, to make you versatile performers. Go through it, and we all of our students that come through us tend to audition into full-time colleges and get in and do very well going forwards as well and it's been growing as a school for eight years um, and it's doing really well and I'll also teach at yeah, London Studio Centre as well which is a full-time training academy which is based on so yeah if you want to come there and get taught by me that's where I'll be
0: it's going to be tough though if you're getting in from Chris if you want to be good Chris is, Chris is your man you know it's not going to be easy it's got very very
1: high standards there's definitely high standards
0: and that wraps up another episode of the Evolve podcast I hope you've taken inspiration and learned something from this week's interview And I'd love to see you here next week. So please do subscribe. If you're interested in finding out more about what we're doing at Evolve, be sure to check us out by visiting goevolve.co.uk. And finally, remember, in business and in life, you never stop evolving. See you next week.